Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You're listening to Comedy Central. My guest tonight is an actor and playwright who's the co-creator and star of the new AMC miniseries, The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. Please welcome Denai Guerrera. Beautiful guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And we're happy to see you. And I'm happy to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I am such a fan of your work. You're an incredible actress, and you command such a presence every time you're on screen. These roles that you play, you play these extraordinary, powerful, resilient, katana-wielding women. Do you ever feel like you just want to, like, take a break and play Linda from HR? (laughs) You know, as long as she dresses cute. Yes! That's what I miss. I miss wearing cute clothes when I go to work. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Not just yeah. not having blood smeared everywhere. Yeah, like, that's the makeup, you yeah. know? Yeah. You still... Good smearing and, like, dust. Get some more dust on here. Get some more dirt. That's perfect. Now, Yeah. Action. You still want to kill zombies. Oh, yeah, yeah, cute. yeah. Don't take away the katana now. No. <laughs> Let me hold on to that. Yeah, I think you're managing it. You managed to, to kill can zombies. In, can I be and... in HR with a katana? Does sure. Hey, I think it's an asset. Yeah. We don't even have HR here, so <laughs> our budget got cut. That's not true. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> um, you, what's so interesting to me about this series is that you're not only acting in it, but you executive produce, you co-created it, you write on it. Was it uh, challenging just juggling all the hats in, in one project? Well, it was actually, it was really cool because from where you, know, you start, you get a role like, what was that, like 12 years ago? Yes. And it's in this show that was massive at the time. And it was just like, I'm just hoping I can keep this katana in my hand and not drop it and, when they're shooting. And then to go through this whole arc with the character and the journey she's had, which has been tremendous. And I'm very thankful for how she was written. And then to go into actually creating the spinoff that like completes her story with, with the man who she loves, which, with, with Rick Grimes. That was a very cool arc. I mean, the interesting parts of it were, of course, executive producing is a lot of work, but then I was also 
there was an episode that I wrote that I was show running, and Scott Gimple was like, don't talk to me, talk to her, it's all her. Oh. And, uh, you know, there are times I'm like in this very intense episode, and then uh, I notice that the corpse in the scene <laughs> doesn't look dead enough. And I'm like, special effects makeup, can you just help me with this a little bit? So I have to jump out of Michonne and make sure she looks good in three weeks dead, and then, and then jump back into the role. Of course, the Walking Dead fans are gonna devour this like a zombie on flesh. But, <laughs> but truly, it, it stands on its own if you haven't watched the series. It's mm. its, its own beast. Mm, yeah, thank you. I think, I think that's true. Because it really is the epic love story of the series. And if you haven't watched it, you can really just latch in because you can see what's happened to Rick and what's happening with Michonne and how they come together and what happens there. So it really kind of stands on its own. And yeah, it was... A, it was an interesting journey to actually get the opportunity because Walking Dead was such a juggernaut of various narratives, big villains, and lots of things going on. So to actually step into just these two and their journey and a love story in the apocalypse, was it was, it was really, really fun oh. and, and intense. Yes, I, you can feel that. I can't wait to... Maybe you would consider sneaking me the rest of the episodes because I don't <laughs> think I can wait until they come out, I'll if you don't mind. I'll look into it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, now, now, the Walking Dead franchise is considered a sci-fi zombie apocalypse, but are you concerned when you look at the state of the world? Is it becoming a little bit more of a political drama? <laughs> I think they've been neck and neck for like 10 years. Yeah. Really. I mean, you well know. on its way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I love about The Walking Dead and what, I, what attracted me to it, because I was scared out of my mind of horror. But what attracted me to it when I, when I was asked to audition for it in, like, 2012 was the fact that, you know, it was about people, characters. Like, who would... And everyone was like, what would I... Who would I be if the world ended, if everything that was convenient to me and, and normal to me just was gone and everything was just totally upended? Who would I become? And I think that is actually what attracts people to it. It became, like, this family show. Like, we meet people like seven-year-olds to 70-year-olds who were watching it with their family every week. It's how, like, mothers bonded with their 14-year-olds. I mean, it was kind of amazing um, to see that it was having that effect. But I think it was really just seeing people, all types of people, navigate something that you can't imagine, but then you almost can. Yeah. And then everyone's like, okay, what would I do? What would I, be, what would I become? And people tell me what they've got decked out for the, 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 you know, the bad day that could come. They've got it all in their garage. Oh, and... Preppers, doomsday oh, preppers. Yeah. What's the craziest thing that a prepper has ever told you that they're collecting? Oh, wow. Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I've heard a lot about peanut butter. Yeah. People like their peanut butter. Yeah, people love Lots peanut butter. That. Yeah. I peanut. collect that, just jars and tubs. I hide it under my bed just in case I want a midnight snack. Listen, there is nothing like a good spoon of peanut butter. I've I got mean... some under this desk. Do you want some? <laughs> Actually, I would like some. <laughs> um, your birthday just passed. Happy birthday. Her Thank birthday's you. on Valentine's Day. You wrote this beautiful post. Um, what was behind that message? And tell us a little bit about the foundation. Yeah, I created Love Our Girls because I just think Valentine's Day is just, it's just such a sucky holiday. Yeah. What is it, really? What is it? You know, people are expecting things like, give me roses and candy and, like, you know what I mean? But I think it, it is beautiful in the sense that it's about love. And I, would, I was trying to, like, repurpose it about six, seven, eight years ago when I had a, sh a show on Broadway and it was an all-women uh, play. And, and I just wanted to, like, say, what if this day that has always been associated with the day I was born, so I can never disassociate from it, what if it was just about 
love and loving girls more so that a lot of the tr the things that they face and the discriminations they face and the struggles they face and the celebrations that they face just get more attention on that day. So I decided to make that kind of the theme of the idea of Love Our Girls, which is just like an information hub. It's just about learn more about what girls and women are doing around the world and celebrate them and support them. And you can, can't create advocates until you create information or just mm. share information. So that's really all it is. It's just an informational hub to like celebrate women and girls and show them love. Oh, so beautiful. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. whose latest album is called Weather Vanes. He can also be seen in the Oscar-nominated film Killers of the Flower Moon. Please welcome Jason Inville. Thank you. You got another Grammy. I did. I got a couple this time. It was crazy. Oh my God. This is how many? Six? This is six. Good Lord. I'm yeah. Well deserved. Thank you. Well deserved. And not only are you an accomplished musician, but you are now an incredible actor. You were in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which has been nominated for all of the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you're great in it. Now, did you did you find that the grind of touring and performing prepared you for the pure stamina you needed to sit through the entire movie start to finish? Yeah. <laughs> I do really good at not peeing, and that helped a lot. You're well 
whole train for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It was uh, it was an incredible experience to see all that go down. I didn't know why I was there. Um, oh. <laughs> no, don't be so much. You're incredible in the film. Well, thank you, and I do believe they didn't let me screw the movie up. No. But uh, it took a little while for me to realize that. So they had this guy who was like a dialect coach, right? right. And all day, every day, he was working with with DiCaprio and with De Niro on talking like this. Yeah. And <laughs> I went and met with him, and he said, uh, we're just going to hang out. I don't have any notes for you. You just, <laughs> you just talk like you talk. And I thought, I know why I'm here. They're saving money on the dollar. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Talent and a budget cut. Mm -hmm. Two birds, it one stone. Yeah. That's so funny. I, I also heard uh, that an incident happened on set when you were doing a scene with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was an incident. There it was, was an incident. Someone, so, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell it? I could tell you that. Yeah, I could tell. I would not have volunteered to tell the story. No, but I, I think we should. It's, I have the sense of humor of a 14-year-old boy, so oh, I perfect. would love for you to tell the story. Perfect. So um, we were in this very small space, and we were shooting the scene where the two of us kind of get up in each other's face, and it's, it's intense, you know, and we're not friends, and we're about to you know, throw hands, and it gets really serious, and we've been doing this for a couple of hours, and all of a sudden, there were like 30 crew people in the room, and me and Leo, and the, the camera was rolling, the film was happening, and all of a sudden, somebody in the crew uh, flatulated. He, 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 <laughs> he, he, you said he, that in the most polite Southern way. <laughs> He flatulated. Well, I shouldn't assume it's a he. It could have been a she. It could I'm have sorry. Been a she. That was it very well could have been a she. I, but whoever it was, you could tell that uh, that person had lost a great battle. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> sure. just by the sound of it, you know. And then, of course, everybody being the, the best of the best, nobody did anything. Nobody, nobody would, ooh, he, he farted, no. you know. It was like... Uh, later on, I called it a, a farticus situation because they were all willing to take the hit uh, for this. But but what happened was I started laughing and DiCaprio started laughing, and I thought, oh great, we're doing one of those blooper reels because I've never been in a movie before. You know? I thought this guy farted. This is gonna be great. And then uh, he like like wove the laugh into his character, and all of a sudden it was Ernest laughing at Bill and I was not Bill anymore. I was I was a redneck laughing at a farting man. And I realized this is why one of us has an Oscar. Sure. And the other one is about a budget for an accent. <laughs> say that he rolled it into his character and he just said, excuse me. Yeah. And just went on. <laughs> and now that's part of the movie. I'm nervous. That's what my guitar player said. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Anytime. Well, I imagine Quickly. when you're on stage performing that if that sort of thing happens, one of the band members farts, then yeah. you just play louder. You do. Yeah, you do. It's Well, we have cues. You know, it's yeah. it's hard to communicate on stage. So sometimes it's it's intentional. It's like, oh, it's that's, that's when we go to the drum solo. Yeah. <laughs> now, was this the first time that you ever acted before? Really, yeah, it was. I've done some voiceover stuff uh, for a show called The Squidbillies, a, a show that I love. Yeah, that was great. you got yeah, some fans here. I was, uh, I was, I was the, uh, the uh, youth minister on that show. I, I had gone to Bible school on a cheerleading scholarship. So, <laughs> essentially, I was just playing myself on that one. That sure. was easy. Um, 
And then uh, I, w I was in the Deadwood movie just standing there in the background uh, because I just loved the show so much that they let me come stand in the background. And that was, that How was, generous of them. It was really kind. Yeah, it was really. But this is the first time I'd actually acted like somebody other than myself or a youth minister, so it was a challenge. You're really, really incredible in the movie. Is, Thank is you. that is it true that you just started auditioning during some downtime during during COVID when you yeah. couldn't tour? Yeah, we were we were uh, locked down, couldn't tour, and I, I told my agent, if you can find anything where people are working safely and I can still keep me busy and do something creative and if there's a good story to tell. And so I got an audition, I got another audition, and uh, uh, I wound up, you know, on a Zoom call in my bedroom with Scorsese and De Niro. And uh, and then I got the part. Yeah, it was amazing. It was my birthday, actually. Oh, yeah, what a, a birthday gift. Yeah. Doesn't get any better than that. No. So um, I want to talk about weather vanes. Mm -hmm. I heard that you wrote the entire album when you had downtime on set. Is Most that of true? it, yeah, almost all of it, I did. Now, um, when I have downtime on set, I play Wordle. Yes. <laughs> I had gone through a lot of Wordle. I'd tried. Sometimes I'll try everything else except what I should be doing. How did you do that? Did you now have a, like a creative association with your with the acting process on that film and the songwriting process? Are they woven? In I any think way? so. But but that was incidental, really. You know, I didn't know until I went back and listened to the finished product of the album that I had used a lot of themes and names that happened to line up with the movie. You know, in the song King of Oklahoma, there's a Molly. And that to me had, I had no idea that I was spending most of my time with, you know, Lily Gladstone who was playing Molly. And it was, it was just getting into my brain. And I kind of, one of the tricks that I have as a songwriter, as I go along, I have eliminated uh, ways of editing myself until it's time to start editing so I don't slow myself down. And so if I'm writing a song, I'm not paying attention to much other than just the puzzle of making the words line up. And do you play and, and write in your, in your head at the same time, or do you write first and then how, do, how does the process work? How do you not get in your way when you're in the creative flow? You have to remind yourself, like, am I writing a song or am I editing a song? Uh -huh. You know, and those, you can't do those at the same time. I can't, some yeah. people probably can. But I usually, I'll start by like repeating a phrase. I'll overhear something or I'll think of something and it may be like literally what I'm doing. Like I might say, there's there's not coffee in this and that might- Well, you don't have to give it away. I'm sorry, they cut the budget, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you coffee. And most of my songs are complaints at the end of the day. But then after a while, you just repeat it, and, and, uh, and, and a melody sort of makes itself happen. And then I'll pick up a guitar and start finding the chords. And, and you know, I, I kind of look at it like there's a big, huge field full of rocks. And everything you need is under one of those rocks. And it might be under the first rock you pick up, but you might have to pick up a million of them. But if you just keep trying things, eventually you'll get, you'll get there. I feel like I'm just just a lifetime of picking up rocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep going. You um you have a song called Middle of the Morning, and you talk about being a strong but silent Southern man. Do you feel like the idea of what a Southern man is or Southern masculinity has evolved in your lifetime? I mean, we're trying we're trying to evolve that, you know. Um, but evidence sometimes shows the contrary to be true. How so? Well, 
you know, in my experience, we're not always the best at talking about how we feel, and that makes us not very good at dealing with our emotions. And things will come out in ways that we don't intend them to, you know, when we're not able to say, I am scared or I am sad. Um, and I don't necessarily know that that's a Southern thing, uh, but, but, you know, it definitely happens a lot in the South, and that's where I came from. And Do you hope that your music can kind of act as a solve for, for young men to grow up and see another way of being? I would like that. You know, it, it serves a purpose for me initially, but I think if, if your intentions are honest and you're really trying to communicate with people, um, then that will happen as a byproduct of what you're doing. Um, and I do, I see a lot of big dudes crying at the shows and it makes me really happy, it makes me really happy. Don't you can cry. do it. You can. This is, a, this is a safe space, big safe dudes. Space. Safe space. We can laugh. We can cry. Um, you also are extremely outspoken when it comes to uh, common sense gun laws and advocacy. You wrote a song on your album that's about the fear as a parent that you have in this country that many of us feel sending our kids to school every day. Was that? I can't even imagine how difficult that song was to write. Was mm -hmm. it an emotional experience for you? It was hard. The first time I wrote it, I didn't do a very good job um, because I wasn't saying exactly what I wanted to say, you know. And uh, when I rewrote it, I, I got closer to what I meant, and then I did it again. And finally, I was actually telling the truth. Some, sometimes that's the process, you know. You want to be vague, and you don't want to hit the hit the nail on the head. But but this one really called for that. And I, and I went from when I'm writing about something that heavy, I find the best way to do it for me is to go from my own personal perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't have any experience in a mass shooting situation, so I'm not going to write a song about that. But what I will write about is being at the grocery store and hearing a balloon pop, and the first thing that comes into my mind is, oh my God, is somebody in here with a gun, you know? And uh, I know it is extremely frustrating for a whole lot of people in this country to deal with. It's, uh, you know, it's something that we shouldn't have to worry about. I think it's something that, that you know, is, is a a, a capitalist issue at heart. I think all those companies that sprung up after the Brady Bill was repealed are really kind of pulling the strings right now and selling people something that they don't need so they can feel proud of something that they really shouldn't be proud of, you know. Um, right. But it's scary. It's scary. And, and, and having a child, uh, you know, it does make you think about these things more often. It, it won't necessarily make a good person out of you, but if you start as one, it'll make you worry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. Tears. I have to smell. I have to. Well, you're you're going to stay and you're going to perform for us. I am. You're going to perform a song called Cast Iron Skillet. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm from Kentucky, so I'm no stranger to southern phrases like don't wash the cast iron skillet. That's why I never do the dishes. <laughs> um, but these, but, but you have a way of, of, of um, using these like simple southern phrases, but there's a much deeper meaning underneath. What was the inspiration behind this song? I like to make characters and then follow them around and see what they do. And when I start a song, I don't necessarily know how it's going to end. I just like to make characters that you can believe and that are honest and then see how they behave as human people would behave. And sometimes that character is the narrator. 
because this has got two, this song has two separate stories. Both of them are true, and both of them happened to people that I was close to when I was a child. And the first story is about a couple of guys that I went to school with who, uh, you know, went down a bad path and wound up murdering somebody, going to prison uh, for the rest of their lives. And then the second part is about a relative I had who, uh, who fell in love with a black man, and her dad disowned her and never spoke to her again. And... Um, you know, these things really happened, and this was the 80s and the 90s, and, you know, they still happen today. And, and the narrator is trying to give advice, but it's not really good advice. I mean, here's the secret. You can wash the skillet. You know, it's made of cat. It'll be fine. You can wash the skillet. <laughs> uh, a lot of times I'll write a song that has some southern, you know, words of wisdom in it, and people will say, hey, man, that's not exactly right. And I'm like, you're almost there. You're almost... <laughs> You're understanding the song, you know. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to perform. I'm very excited. Everyone here is very excited. Explore more shows from The Daily Show Podcast Universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.